Welcome to the We Are SC podcast. This is Eric McKinney, joined by Greg Katz. And uh, Greg, we've got a Washington State game coming up on Sunday. I, I don't know if we should have this podcast go the full length or, or just do maybe a, a 30 seconds so we don't dump a whole bunch of effort and time into this and have the game not played like we did last week with <laughs> with Colorado. Never a dull moment. <laughs> so... The, I mean, let's let's get into that a little bit first. USC effectively, you know, got a, a bye week, except they didn't. You know, there there were days that they couldn't practice. They're working now this week uh, back on the field, but not with their entire team. Uh, it seems like they're going to get at this point enough guys back, and USC is is tracking right now to be able to hit all of those minimum numbers. And, and we went over a lot of the minimum numbers uh, last week, but just to sort of, you know, refresh that, the Pac-12 decided this season, and they've said that Pac-12 teams to play a game, you have to have a minimum of 53 available scholarship players, and then there are three positions that you have to hit a minimum number for, and that's one quarterback, four defensive linemen, seven offensive linemen it was the seven offensive linemen uh having that number ready and and healthy and able to play uh that tripped usc up against colorado they're still kind of working on that but again it it feels like everybody's going to get back clay helton said they got their their first guy back out of quarantine uh, on Wednesday and then expects kind of throughout the week and, and especially later in the week for guys to trickle in. And, and this is going to be something where, you know, th- this might be uh, kind of like starting a race. You know, you're, you're looking at the timer as it ticks down and, and then you get the go and you can run out, you know, to the Coliseum and, and play in the game. Uh, a, a few guys, you know, it feels like going to be sort of that late Saturday and, and Sunday maybe even uh, getting back into this. And at this point, who knows who, you know, who is actually going to be available and, and who's not. And Clay Elton's certainly not kind of showing his cards uh, as to how many starters will be there and, and how many backups will need to go. And, and I think, honestly, that, that is a, a very intriguing, not even subplot. That, that's kind of a, a, a main headliner to this whole thing. Well, it's very interesting because um... – when you really look at it, when you listen to Clay Helton this week and uh, some of his assistants, um, you know, they, they really tell you who's available. The only place they didn't tell you who's available is the offensive line. And Helton was asked about that. And um, he, um, he didn't want to go into it, which is understandable. Because sure. He didn't want to give away any, any uh, secrets. I mean, if you're going to start a true freshman at left tackle, you certainly don't want to let Washington State know about it. So uh, I think what we did glean from it was the issue of concern is the offensive line. And as we all know, that's been an issue uh, before the even season started. So I know for me personally, I'll be looking at that offensive line and see what the starting lineup is on the first uh, first series. That's for sure. Absolutely. And then if you, you know, if you want to sort of parse things farther it's it's we got one guy back on Wednesday and then uh used a a 
a plural players coming back later. And if he's talking about starters, you know, you're, you're talking about uh, at that point, you know, a minimum of three. And, and again, we're, we're sort of, you know, trying to dive maybe deeper into what he's actually saying. And, and maybe it is, you know, there, there's backups involved there and, and that whole thing, but uh, no, not the position um, that you want starters to be down at uh, at this point. And Clay Elton has talked about, you know, having a, a lot of faith uh, if he had to go into the young guys and, and how they practiced during this camp and, and how a lot of the young guys have, have gotten, you know, sort of first team, second team reps and, and gotten those, uh, the, the, a good number of, of quality quantity reps uh, during this whole thing. But, you know, you'll, you'll go ahead and, and go with your starters uh, at, <laughs> in any game this season, if you could pick. Um, and let's, let's kind of, I, I think, maybe dive into this matchup. It, it's an interesting one, and, and we'll start, you know, as, as kind of we have with USC's offense, talking about that. Uh, but, but Washington State, a, a new head coach, Nick Rolovich, comes over from Hawaii um brings a, a couple new coordinators it's another game for usc this year where you've got kind of uh not so much unknown because washington state has played a couple games this season so you've got that film but the, there's nothing really that you can look at washington state from last year and say you know this is what they're gonna do obviously it's it's a lot of the same players um but usc offensively and i, and I think you'll agree with me it's almost never about who the defense is so far this year that there's so much about kind of just what are we going to see from the USC offense? What, what's actually going to show up and, and how, how does it feel? How, how does kind of the, the in sync, uh, ness, you know, for, for lack of a better word, uh, of, of the USC offense look when it takes the field. Well, you know, this a couple of things here. One, Let's remember that Washington State, with a new first-year head coach, beat Oregon State in Corvallis to start the season, okay? And we all know that Oregon State, down the road, upset Oregon. So there's that factor. But Washington State's only loss, they were hanging in there with Oregon, and then they eventually lost. So it tells me that uh, they compete. Now, when we talk about the SC offense, the first thing I checked was the Washington State defense. It's allowing 35.5 points per game, which means, well, let's put it this way. The Trojans should be able to score and score often, but they have not shown that they can score that way. They didn't do it in the first two games. Uh, they didn't score a touchdown in the second half against uh Utah State, or excuse me, Utah, and, uh, you know, there's, that should be of concern, because even though it's been staggered, the schedule, of course, you know, you could pretty much figure out what USC is going to do, and you can kind of figure out what Washington State on defense is going to do. They're going to probably drop eight people back like everyone else does, uh, but the thing about it is SC's got a lot of firepower if that offensive line even plays average or C plus to, to get it done. Uh, because I, I think that they're too talented compared to the uh, WSU defense. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you mentioned what Washington State's given up, and it, it's just a, a, a ton of points and, and yards at this point. You know, over 500 uh, total yards. And, and like you mentioned, we're only talking about a two-game sample size, and it's the first two games uh, under new coaches. Uh, but, but Washington State coming out, you know, they haven't played in the last two weeks, and you expect maybe USC to be ready to go. But what, what, what do we expect from the USC offense. I mean, at this point, is it still, are you still kind of coming into games thinking, okay, this is it that, you know, that they're going to be clicking. We're going to see it. It's going to, it's, they're going to come out firing um, because it, it sure feels like, boy, now it's almost time to expect the opposing defense is going to do something that, whatever rattles them or, or kind of just throws a wrench into whatever USC wants to do. And, and USC can't quite get that engine revved up like they, like they want to. And again, you, you know, you look at the end of the game and Clay Hilton will certainly he'll, he'll bring up kind of the yards and, Oh, you know, we had a, an important possession here and, and that kind of thing. But boy, when, you know, when you look up and down the roster and like you mentioned, you look at kind of that, that firepower for USC's offense it doesn't feel like when you look at the, the defenses they're going up against so far this season, it, it doesn't feel like you should see the results, I guess, that, that we're seeing right now. So is this the game? Is, is this kind of the game where, where they put it together? And, and what are you looking for, I guess, in terms of how they play in this game? How do you sort of spin that forward? And, and is this kind of what it's going to be moving forward this season and, and maybe into next season? Well, I hate to tell it like it is, being an old man from the 60s, but... You, you love to tell it like it is. Well, I can't live any other way, so please <laughs> forgive me. But I, I don't see anything changing. The only thing that might change is there might be some big plays. There might be. But most of the teams are trying to stop the big plays. You cannot play USC man-to-man. If you do you're going to get beat. The players are just too athletic and, and uh, future players that are going to get a shot at the NFL. But you can neutralize them if you play zone. Okay? Uh, so I think, my opinion, that SC plays defense against itself by so overly committing to the pass, which I know the, the air raid is, but they do not consistently – show you that they can make third and one or fourth and one. And, uh, you know, they get caught in stubbornness. And what I mean by that is I mean that we did see a draw play and it, you know, it played dividends. We have seen one poorly run screen pass. I don't think there's an excuse for that. And even if he did run one poorly, it doesn't mean you stop trying it. And we haven't seen, uh, you know, any misdirection plays. It's almost like, uh, and this is what happens with young coaches. I don't care if it's high school or college. They think that they know everything, okay? It means nothing to me if, using as an example, that the SC offensive coordinator played in the NFL. That means nothing, okay? Uh, did Norm Chow play in the NFL? Look what he did. And he understood what he was doing in, in the understanding of an of attack using the running attack. I don't know whether Graham Harrell is a person, a leopard that cannot change its spots. 
I'm anticipating that we'll see it. Uh, I think if SC is going to score and score, they're going to have to be disciplined. They're going to have to have long drives unless they get turnovers. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the USC tailbacks. Most of them would be either starting or right there to play significant time. Uh, the wide receivers are the best on the West Coast. You know, if Keaton Slovis, uh, you know, we don't know if he's really hurt because nobody's really talking, but everybody seems to be saying that there's something not right with him. So, I mean, at the end of the season, maybe we'll find out he's having, uh, you know, elbow surgery. Who knows? But that being said, you know, the offensive line can only do what it's being asked to do. In other words, if you're going to ask them to pass block the whole time, that's what they're going to do. But you can't expect them to be good run blockers when they even know that there's not a, should we say, total commitment to running the ball. So I know that was kind of a long answer, but I, I think what you see is what you're going to get. Yeah, I mean, it would be kind of nice. You know, again, you talk about sort of game plans in a vacuum now before it goes on. But, you know, the idea of even, you know, you know giving up a possession to just run it three times you know, and, and send a message like that. That's what really that that's kind of what I thought about watching that Utah game. And, and we're going back now in a couple of weeks, but uh, you, you come out, you get the ball and you throw, you call three pass plays and you're punting. And it, it just feels like, boy, you didn't really even start the game. And I get it. You know, you come out, you call a pass play and you hit one deep against man coverage and, you know, you, it goes for a 75-yard touchdown on, on your first offensive play, and, and you're off and running. But there's so much that that kind of three and out with three pass plays, and you didn't really hit anybody, and you didn't really set a tone. It, it, it just feels like the worst, you know, you, you read a story, and every word in the first sentence is misspelled. Like, I, I'm not <laughs> excited to, to read the rest of that story, you know? And, and so it feels like there, there are times where that should be okay. You know, we're going to run it three times, see what happens. And, and maybe we're going, and, and I know, you know, Graham Harrell's not a guy who's going to give up offensive possessions. He wants to score every time they get the ball. Uh, but yeah, you know, you, you just love to be able to, to maybe try to lean on that offensive line a little bit and, and set the tone that way. Uh, and, and I'm sure, you know, if we go back and look, there are, drives where they they've run it three times in a row you know to to start a drive uh i sure remember the three pass plays in a row to to start drives uh more often than than the runs um but i you know if if they can figure out kind of the short passing game and and take what you can get and you start getting the ball out to you know amon ross st brown and brew mccoy out wide and, and those kind of turn into running plays because you get the ball in their hands quickly that then I get that but it, it feels like you really kind of at this point with what you've seen defensively from opponents you've got to embrace hey there we're, we're not going to be able to just sit there and, and attack man coverage deep because it's yeah. we're not going to get it we've got to embrace you know 12 play short pass drives and, and try to break some tackles <clears throat> excuse me uh outside and and move it that way uh and, and so i think this washington state defense again we talked about what they've given up that there's a couple you know linebackers in the middle but it, it's not a defense where you're saying oh man we've got you know we've got our hands full at at five or six different positions 
uh, it, it feels like maybe a, a litmus test for this USC offense. And again, it, you know, the offensive line has questions, potentially has questions. Uh, you didn't play last week, so so there's kind of a, a, a weird, you know, situation with are, are you in sync and, and are you at, you know, game shape and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but I, I feel like this is a, a real kind of statement opportunity for this offense to come out and say, you know, we can do this. We, we th- this well, is actually. I don't think there's like. any doubt that they can do a lot of things, but you know, let, let me use a basketball analogy if I can. Look, there's the old saying that when you play a, a powerful team, that when you're on defense on that side of the court, make the shooters drive and the drivers shoot. In other words, uh, make them do something other than they, what they want to do. And that's the same thing in football. If you have a passing team, take away, drop eight people down and say, look, run the ball. Prove us that you'll run. And it seems to me like SC will do a token of that at some point in time, and then they'll just deviate away from it. I mean, to not score against Utah in the second half, really, I hate to use the term, but it is disgraceful because uh, that just shouldn't happen. The idea is if they're going to let you run, keep running it, keep running it. You know, what would really help is if you ran the ball and you would run some play action passes once in a while and roll out, uh, you know, Keaton Slovis uh, to move him out of the pocket, uh, you know, that might help it. You know, all these ideas are certainly not, you know, my ideas or what a brain I am. I mean, if you watch enough football, if you've coached football, you know, even if you've played football games, uh, you know, you know what you can basically do if someone's going to give you a three-man defensive line. I think the big question on this um, for SC is how efficient can this offensive line be? Because if they're not efficient, they might make the Washington State defensive line look a lot better than what they really are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, we're talking about the the USC offense against an opposing defense, and really the the whole talk is about the USC offense. I mean, this, again, like we mentioned, this Washington State defense – there's some there's some guys on it. Aiden Hector, the the true freshman uh, safety, he he's had a nice start to the season. And I mentioned the the linebackers, Jahab Woods and and Justice Rogers in the middle. Those guys can make some plays. An interesting name at corner is Jalen Watson, who uh, initially you know committed and, and signed with USC, then did not enroll, wound up at, at Washington State. But but you know, I, I again I think we can get a, a real sense of what USC is is capable of offensively and and you don't get uh, this isn't another situation where if things kind of start to go haywire a little bit you've sort of run out of excuses of oh we just we didn't get the ball enough or we didn't get enough plays or you know we we didn't get what we were expecting in in terms of looks it's it's uh a, a little bit of a put up or shut up time i i think to to kind of get things on track and and put together uh a solid performance and something we've seen, you know, let, let's flip over to the other side and, and talk Washington state offense a little bit now. And, and specifically, you know, USC defense, as we get ready for the game uh, that, you know, if, if we're going to go back and just say the USC defense played really great against Utah, I, I think we need to add in there that Utah's offense was, not the Utah offense that that we've seen in the past. Um, you know, new new quarterback, new 
running back from last year, a very young, inexperienced offensive line. That being said, I think when you, if you just watch the play of the USC defense, it, it was very promising. I think, I think the defensive line, it's one of those, we don't care who we're going up against. We're just going to play the way we play. And, and I think they did well. Uh, good play from the linebackers. The, I think the secondary has been pretty good all season. Uh, this Washington State, offense and, and I'll, I'll just toss out a, a couple names uh, of the players right now this Washington State offense I, I think presents some challenges I, I think they know what they're doing and it's not the Mike Leach air raid but the the Nick Rolovich run and shoot it's a you know it's it's a cousin it, it's in the same family it's four wides either two by two or or three by one and and it's a lot of passing but there is some running and, and the guy that is going to be front and center is that quarterback, a, a true freshman, Jaden Delara. And this is a guy that USC chased uh, after they lost a commitment from Bryce Young in that 2020 class. Uh, they, they turned some attention to him, and he ended up sticking with that Washington State commitment, went in there, uh, beat out a few other quarterbacks uh, that are, you know, veterans, more experienced guys, and, and he's the guy, and he's a – He's a little spark plug. He he's a pretty dynamic player. He's listed at at you know right at six foot, which you can you always can guess that means they're a little bit under that six foot mark. But uh, he can run a little bit. He's got a, a pretty electric arm, uh, and and so far he's done some things for that Washington State offense that you know a USC defense that has had a little bit of trouble with with running quarterbacks and and quarterbacks that can can do some things athletically. Uh, right away that there's a little bit of a, a flashing red light when you see a, a quarterback like him across from the line of scrimmage. Well, I think that uh, seeing their second Jaden of the season, uh, <laughs> going back to the ASU opener, um, you know, this is a kid who played at uh, St. Louis High in Honolulu, and they run basically a run and shoot offense. And so the concepts were not uh, unusual. Uh, obviously, uh, Rolovich uh, has watched uh, Jaden Delora for the last several years because he was the head coach at Hawaii. Right. So he knew whether this kid could do it or not. I think the key with, with uh, Delora is, you know, they don't run a lot of formations, but they're, they're somewhat balanced in the sense that they have really uh, one outstanding senior running back in Deion McIntosh who's actually ranked 10th nationally in rushing, averaging about 119.5 yards per game. And he has been filling in for an injured all-star running back, Max uh, Borgi, uh, who in 2019 uh, was pretty decorated. I mean, he had 817 yards rushing, 11 TDs, uh, also had 86 receptions for 597 and had five TDs. So, they have that going for them. So they have a good backfield. What really presents an interesting uh, deal is we know that SC wants to play man-to-man. -man. They want to man up on the wide receivers. And the two wide receivers for um, Washington State, Renard Bell, uh, who's a senior, and junior Travelle Harris, uh, are both eighth in the nation in receptions. Um, you know, this is a team that has it all offensively. And again, they're going to spread out SC, as, as Coach uh, Helton said, they're going to make you play sideline to sideline. So this is going to, you know, we're going to find out about SC's tackling. 
you know, we, we, that's always been the big worry. How are they tackling? What about pass interference calls? Okay, we're going to find out whether SC can play these receivers man-to-man and hold down the pass, intercept, the, uh, pass interference penalties and not get burned. So it's going to be an interesting uh, matchup for sure. Yeah, the, the man-to-man aspect is, is, I think, the most interesting thing for me when you look at the, the, the Washington State wide receivers, especially because they'll sort of they'll stack them a little bit and, and you know, they can bunch them. And, and so they can do, you know, some of the, the rub routes and screens and, and that kind of stuff where uh, the guy that, you, that you're matched up against, all of a sudden there's four guys in between you and him and, and now you got to figure out how to get back to him. Uh, that that makes things more difficult um, to to match up against these guys, and, and especially you mentioned, you know, Renard Bell. He's he's listed at five eight, uh, and then Trevelyan is listed at five nine. So so these are are these little you know shiftier kind of receivers that can can run these kind of speed outs and get out to the sideline and and just sort of make things miserable on you, kind of piling up three yard catches, four yard catches. Uh, and then Washington State, I, I mentioned Dolores, he's not afraid to, to let it go downfield. Uh, in, in two games, he's already taken, you know, a handful of deep shots and uh, he's been more successful than, than not, I'd say, so far. Threw an interception, you know, on a, on a deep shot uh, in that first game against Oregon State. But, but that's it. That's their only turnover uh, through those two games. So that for me that is the matchup i think that washington state will will try to run the ball a little bit but the way the way this usc secondary and and specifically for me i think it's those nickel guys you know what you can get uh out of greg johnson and and max williams and uh you know a guy like uh chase williams if if he comes in as well um how those guys hold up i think will be I think that's kind of the the most interesting thing because you mentioned the the wide receivers. That's I, I believe sixteen catches each between those two guys. So they'll they'll pump the ball to those guys, uh, and, and so the tackling thing, like you mentioned, that that's going to be uh, a significant factor. I think you know on a on a third and six, if they're running a four yard route, that's got to be a four yard reception and, and not something where it it breaks for six and a half. You know because he he beat one guy and and goes for six and a half or seven and, and picks up that first down. You want to frustrate this offense uh, by bringing everybody down as, as quickly as possible. What, what's your, uh, do, do you see kind of a, a key, a, a key player, a key position, a, a key matchup, anything on that side of the ball? Uh, I do. Um, I, you know, I, I think if they get to Deloria and, and really rough them up early and get him shook up, and I mean, physically shook up, ring his bell, um, you know, Marlon Tuipiloto and, uh, you know, Drake Jackson are, are going to be big, big players here. I think even Tuli Tuipiloto is going to be um, a factor. What we don't know is how uh, Raylan Goforth is going to be. It sounds like he's questionable uh, and he might be replaced by Raymond Scott. We know that uh, AI isn't going to be playing because he's still in concussion protocol, so he's out. But I think that Todd Orlando is going to do everything he possibly can to get to uh, Delora. And so I see it as the key is the Trojans front seven uh, putting so much heat 
on uh, Delora. We'll have to wait and see how the kid uh, reacts to it. Now, he may react to it just like Arizona State did and just sidestep it. And wherever you see, uh, you know, the blitz coming, dump it off for where that blitz is coming from. So we'll see how smart uh, Delora is when he faces all these different angle blitzes that Todd Orlando likes to bring. And, and Clay Helton mentioned about him that, that he's a winner, he's a gamer, you know, he, he has that aspect to him. I, I also agree as a, with, with a true freshman, the idea is pressure. Make, make him do, make him uncomfortable, make him do a, a bunch of stuff uh, against guys that, that don't look like the high school players that he was just going up against, you know, when, when he took the field uh, in, in, you know, as a senior in, in high school. He strikes me as the kind of guy who, you know, calm, cool, collected, that, that sort of thing. I think it'll take a little bit to, to get him rattled, but, but I think that's where you have to attack and, and that's where you have to go. You mentioned USC's linebackers. Yeah, Rayleigh Goforth dealing with a, a sort of midfoot sprain, uh, a, a plantar fascia sprain. And when Clay Hilton first said that, he suffered that against Utah, and, and that's not – you know, if, if that's, if that's significant at all, that is not something that is easy to come back from. So he's still dealing with that. And, and Clay Elton always seems, you know, optimistic about getting guys back, but even he said that that's going to be really close, you know, in, in kind of a best case scenario. So probably safe to, to assume that he's at least, you know, very doubtful for the game. And then you mentioned Paulier, no, Teote still in concussion protocol, and that's going all the way back to the Arizona game. So this has been, this has been something that has lingered uh, for a while. And so at this point in the week, right, I mean, it's, it's again, safe to assume that's not going to be something that gets cleared and, and all of a sudden he can jump back in. So if those two are both out, yeah, you're looking at that combination of, of Kanai Mauga, who I think has done enough to feel feel comfortable with him in there. And then Raymond Scott, who again is, has flashed at times and also still kind of making that adjustment uh, to the linebacker. And then behind them, you've got uh, Tuasibi Nomura, who is in his second year, doesn't have a, a ton of defensive experience. He does play on special teams, but uh, that those, those are really the only linebackers that they list. I, I think you kind of, are okay against Washington, a Washington state team. That's going to have four wide receivers on the field, basically at all times. Uh, if there's a game where, where you needed linebackers, it was Utah. And if there's a game where maybe you're okay, not having a ton of linebackers, it, it's probably this game here. It's, it's probably Washington state. You know, I think one area that we should uh, touch on and perhaps you were going to get to it. Um, was this uh, matchup of special teams. Go ahead, kick it uh, off. Well, first of all, we all know that uh, it's official, I guess we can say that, that, um, you know, true freshman kicker uh, Parker Lewis for the Trojans is the kicker for the present and the future. Uh, you know, McGrath has gone into the portal. Uh, good luck to him. I thought he did a great job when he had his opportunities. Certainly will always be remembered for the Texas uh, overtime and, and the win. And uh, we wish him the very best. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that Ben Griffiths is averaging about 45.6 uh, yards per punt. So he continues to, I think, feel more comfortable under uh, Sean Snyder's tutelage, a special teams coach. But 
I think what you have to pay attention to is Washington State uh, actually is pretty good. In fact, you, I think they're very good. You know, they have a redshirt senior punter and Oscar, I think I'm pronouncing his name. Dragusevich. No, I'm going to let you say it. Okay, Dragusevich. <laughs> okay, the third, I might add. But he's averaging 48.6 yards per punt. And last year, he went ranked second nationally. So he can really start playing the field position game uh, if the Trojans don't rush him on his punts, which will be interesting. And they, uh, the Cougars have redshirt junior place kicker Blake Mazza, who so far this season is four for four with a long of 49 yards. And he's certainly no stranger to the Pac-12. He was 2019 all Pac-12 first teamer. So, you know, there doesn't appear to be a weakness uh, probably on either team in terms of special teams, place kicking, and uh, punting. Yeah, but I, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned the, the Washington State special teams, guys. The, this does not seem like an area where USC is just going to, you know, automatically have a have a huge advantage. You know, Masa, I think he's uh, 34 of 40, something like that, and of his six misses, three have been blocked. So this, it's it, he's not a guy that you know, pulls things left and right. He's, he is a, a very good kicker. Uh, the, the punter is very good. I, I think USC has done well, um, both kicking and covering kicks this year. Uh, you had, you know, I, I think just about every punt return yard came on one Utah return where it should have gone for about half a yard. Uh, then there was a broken tackle and, and he picked up kind of a, a handful of return yards, but Solid so far. I think, you know, if you're, if you're looking for something, it's, you know, USC maybe getting something. If, if you're going to constantly return kickoffs, you, you got you to gotta get past the 25-yard line. I, I think everyone involved in that would sort of say, yeah, you know, we're, we, we need to get more out of the kickoff returns. Uh, and then punt returns, you just kind of for, – for me, as long as you're not muffing them, that's fine. You know, if, if you want to if, – if, it turns into uh, picking up a, a few yards here and there. That's fine. But, you know, just solidly catching those and not letting anything kind of bounce and roll down to the one yard line is, is fine. And, and so I think so far, so good uh, USC special teams, especially boy, when you contrast it to some of the, you know, absolute blowups uh, from last season. So that, that will be, I think, kind of an interesting area where, if one team ends up kind of solidly winning that special teams battle, that, that actually could uh, make an impact in this thing. But, but ultimately, boy, I see Washington state having those, those two weeks off uh, and how kind of weird the schedule has been for them having to come down to LA playing on a Sunday. It, it feels like there is a lot that tips this, uh, in USC's favor. And again, I know we're talking about this, not knowing exactly who's showing up in the starting lineup for USC, specifically with that offensive line, but feels like a game where USC can, can go out, uh, play well, and, and beat this Washington State team and, and really kind of take a, take a stranglehold uh, on the Pac-12 South here, even though this is that, this is that cross-up crossover matchup with a, a Pac-12 North team? Well, you know, you, I'm not a guy that gets too hung up on statistics, but uh, echoing somewhat of what you said, Washington State 
has lost its last 29 of 33 games played in Los Angeles. Is that all? I don't, I don't know if that's going to, you know, uh, play uh, uh, into this game, but you know, it, it's something to, to consider. I'm sure somebody's going to print it. Uh, certainly if I printed it, you know, that I got it from somewhere and uh, other people have printed it. So they have that going for them. I think in my opinion, that even though SC started, I think opened up a 12 and a half point favorite. Um, let's say we can't predict turnovers. I mean, I can't, but uh, this game could be a, a, a lot closer than the point spread. Yeah. I, I mean, at, at this point, uh, if you're talking about a USC game, it, it's pretty much always safe to say that it, it could end up closer than the point spread. Uh but this, you know, it'll it'll be interesting. A Sunday afternoon, four thirty kick. Uh, certainly not anything that any of us are are used to uh, with a regular season game. Um, but before we kind of put a put a bow on this, and we're gonna jump way off the the USC Washington State game. Wanted to get your thought. This is uh, doing this Thursday night, and just a, a few hours after. Jake Garcia, four-star, 2021 quarterback. Jake Garcia announces his decommitment from USC. He'd been con- he'd been committed since all the way back September of 2019. I, I believe he was the fourth commit uh, in this class at that time. Miami coming hard the whole time. Uh, will he stay in the class? Won't he stay in the class? Just just curious, your kind of quick thoughts about uh, kind of past, present, future of that, and, and maybe what it, what it means for you going forward? Well, I've, I've said from the word go, I mean, I've been following uh, his career, uh, you know, five high schools. He went to five high schools. Now he has some legitimate reasons. Uh, you know, he starts off at, as a freshman at Long Beach Poly. Then he goes over to, you know, Harvard City, Narbonne. Then he goes over to La Habra. Then they cancel the season in the fall because of COVID. He goes to uh, Georgia. He's ruled ineligible after the first game in Georgia. Transfers over to another school. You know, I, I see red flags in players like that. I don't like when SC takes players like that. I know that that's kind of not unusual if you transfer a school. I, I, we all can sit there and say, what were the circumstances? But I think in his case, the rumors of Miami uh, you know, being a hurricane, have been there and have been kind of going over. And so no shock to me that he decided he's not going to uh, go to SC. The big question is, is who does SC take in place of him? And uh, there's a young man up in uh, Utah that uh, I happen to think looks really, really good, like a Sam Darnold. And I watched uh, some of his games. Um, help me with the name here. Uh, Jackson Eric. Dart. Yeah, Jackson Dart. Let me hold on, but hold on, hold on. Before you get into that, let let me do this, and I'll I'll set you up here. Jackson Dart this season, uh, his Corner Canyon team they went fourteen and zero, won the state title. This is all he did this year: forty six hundred ninety one passing yards on just about seventy percent completion, sixty seven passing touchdowns against four interceptions. Uh, and oh, by the way, rushed for just about 1,200 yards and 12 more touchdowns on the ground. The, those are those are real numbers. Uh, that, that that is a 
big time senior season. Well, you know, I, when I watched him on TV, you know, it's funny because when I was covering USC at Washington several years ago and I went to see Max Brown play and uh, I was excited because, you know, he's supposed to be the number one quarterback in the country. And I saw Clay Elton there, he's recruiting him. And, you know, you had to take into context when you saw uh, Brown play, it was like in a, he was played in a fluent high school. They were playing against an affluent opponent in a beautiful setting. And the, and the corners for uh, the team that he played uh, were about five foot eight, five foot seven. And I never had the sense having seen legitimate number one quarterbacks coming out of high school, like should we say Matt Leinart to bring up a name that's not all that far away. And I never thought he was, he wasn't a bad quarterback, but you know what? The hype did not to me uh, turn out to be the type of player that he was anyway at SC. Now that being said, watching the Utah guy here, uh, you know, Dart, he was playing against some good teams. Okay. I think it'd be a misnomer to think that the elite teams in Utah couldn't play with some of the really good teams in Southern California. There just isn't as many of them, but I was impressed. What I'd like to know about Dart, honestly, and maybe you have some insight into it, is he's being recruited by BYU. Why is he going to leave that area to come to USC? That's not a rip on USC. It's quarterback U. But uh, it would be interesting to see if he has family down in LA. It is That'll be a uh, competition, I tell you, between he and and uh, Miller Moss, if they, if, it, if it pans out that way, uh, and we'll see how that goes. But it's really something to keep an eye on. Yeah, USC, they they've got to take two quarterbacks in this class, or, or certainly, you know, have a a guaranteed line on someone who's transferring in because uh, at this point, yeah, you know, you've Matt Fink should have the opportunity to come back next year, even though he's a redshirt senior, uh, the NCAA making a rule that nobody's eligibility ticks forward uh, with this class. So everybody could, could return next year if they want to. And if the school uh, allows that, so you, you could have Fink and Slovis and whoever you sign in this class uh, for that 2021 season, but boy, you, you certainly can't expect Keaton Slovis to be there after that. And so there's a chance that anybody, any quarterback who signs in this class are the only, is the only guy or are the only guys on scholarship at that position in 2022. Again, we're not talking about a, a potential transfer, grad transfer, a regular chance transfer, anything like that. Uh, but anyone who signs with USC right now, you're, you're battling for that kind of pole position that, that, you know, next guy up uh, when Keaton Slovis leaves. And so you've, I think you've got to get two guys in this class. Uh, so this week, the timing is interesting. You had Josh Moore uh, announce his decommitment, you know, just before the Jake Garcia decommitment, Josh Moore's was, was very much a, you know, USC, was able to flip uh, Kyron Ware Hudson from Oregon. And so now, okay, we don't have a, a spot here. So is this a, a shaking out of, hey, we, we know we've got a real good line on somebody coming in. We need to 
get that spot there. And, and again, the guy you mentioned, Jackson Dart, being the guy that USC has kind of gone all in on for um, to add him to, to Miller Moss, who again, solid commit, ready to come, you know, has, has become a, a real recruiting leader uh, for this class. And, and Dart is, Dart is intriguing. You, you mentioned a lot about him, but his athleticism, his uh, kind of that, that swagger that he has uh, the stuff that he can do, you know, throwing the ball and, and running with the ball. There is a, there is a lot to like, about him uh you mentioned BYU Arizona State UCLA really all in on him uh too so so he's gonna have some choices and the interesting BYU connection is that Zach Wilson the guy who's kind of become you know a a star in college football as BYU's run out to this undefeated season that that's the they, they share a high school he came from there so BYU has that kind of built in hey you follow him uh Zach Wilson now being talked about as you know, potentially a, a top five quarterback taken in the draft, maybe a first round pick. Uh, so BYU's got that they're, they're going to have kind of a blueprint that Jackson Dart could follow there. It'll be up to USC to sell kind of Graham Harrell's system and, and the quarterback pedigree, which he's, he's definitely listening to that. That's something that USC really does have uh, to sell. But with Jake Garcia out of the class, it, it becomes uh, kind of, Jackson Dart watch I think at, at this point for USC fans to to see how that ends up and uh, this 2021 recruiting class uh, I think still has a few twists and turns I, I think there's a chance that it could get really wild because you're, you're talking about a lot of guys that couldn't take unofficial visits they couldn't take official visits you know certainly unofficial visits with coaches present and and what we would consider an unofficial visit so there, there's a lot that has gone into these decisions either so far or the decisions coming up that is unlike any other year with, with kind of the information that they're going to have, the firsthand information uh, that they're going to have. So this could be a, a fairly wild finish to December 16th, the first day of that early signing period, and, and players can still hold off if they want to uh, to make decisions on that first Wednesday in February, the the traditional, I guess, signing period, although this early one has sort of taken over as the time where just about everyone signed. So again, the, the quarterback recruiting for USC continues to be uh, a, a spot to watch here uh, over the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. But for for that, that, that's our look at, at a little bit of recruiting, but also the kind of deep dive into USC Washington state, which again, kicks off on Sunday uh, afternoon into the evening, a Sunday 4.30 kick. I believe that's the fourth different uh, game time that, that has been set for this game. So again, just turn your TV on at, at some point on Sunday, and, and hopefully they're, they're kicking off at some point. It, with the Pac-12 this season, it's always, you know, about Thursday afternoon, you start crossing your fingers that, uh, that we're actually going to get the game played. But that'll be uh, a a nice uh, sight to see USC back in the Coliseum after missing last week's game against Colorado. So for that look at USC Washington State, appreciate you tuning in. For Greg Katz, this is Eric McKinney. Thanks for listening to the We Are SC podcast.